This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson Burns, founder of Heroin Training, where we learn to be the protagonists of our own lives through my essays and podcasts like this one. This episode asks, how can art change the world? And thankfully, I'm not alone in answering that question. To join me today, I am very pleased to introduce my co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? My art life is a party, man. Um, I just threw a Halloween housewarming party with my roommate, and it was such a fulfilling, creative adventure. I don't know what to call it. Um, Opportunity for play. I have always wanted to throw theme parties. And I talked a little bit about my Alice in Wonderland birthday party a couple episodes ago, but I always, I think I have social anxiety around like, well, I'm going to have this idea and no one's going to want to be part of it. And I'm just like, you know, I, I, I get so into my ideas because I'm an artist. And, um, and then I have like fear that like people are going to think I'm weird, whatever. So I had the best weekend because I, I threw this Halloween housewarming party with Katra and we made it, uh, depressed demon nightmare boy themed. So There's this meme about, um, like, what's the opposite of a manic pixie dream girl? And, well, the opposite of a manic pixie dream girl would be a depressed demon nightmare boy. And that doesn't exist. Oh, wait. And then it was, like, (laughs) photos of, like, Kylo Ren and the Phantom of the Opera. Um, So we love this meme because we also love characters like that. And we love, like, vampire stories and mopey emo kids. So we threw a depressed demon nightmare boy party. And so many people came and actually dressed up on theme, including someone dressed up as Andy Warhol and like my sister showing up at like in like a really dramatic emo band t-shirt holding a bunch of like near dead roses. And it was just like really (laughs) funny to see the different interpretations. We had like a professional Kylo Ren cosplayer show up. Amazing. Um, And, and The other thing was that I cooked for everyone, even though it was like an all day sort of show up whenever thing. I spent two days just cooking and it was so gratifying to be able to share that with people, both my friends and Katra's, because cooking is like a really important practice to me as an artist and as a friend. And I just crave opportunities to do it for people. And it just felt so good to be able to to cook for such a large group of people and share our home, which we have so carefully decorated, and our costumes, which we thought are so funny. And um, <laughs> I was Hamlet, by the way. Um, and Katra was Crowley from Good Omens. But I, I just feel really excited and, and, and happy right now because this is, an, uh, this is the life part of the art life. This is the bringing creativity and play and art making and ideas into the everyday life and not just the acting. And, um, I had such an amazing time and I, and I met so many new people too, friends of Katra's that I haven't met before. And I just feel really 
excited and um, grounded in all of it. And also pleasantly surprised because clearly my expectations for people are low. (laughs) And it was like, it was like, it just, you know, the little kid in me was so um, moved by all of these people showing up and dressing up and all of the vampires that showed up. Like, I was like, oh, wow, people liked my idea. (laughs) All the vampires that showed up. (laughs) They came and they dressed up and they ate the food and we all were, a lot of people were creative. So there's so many conversations about art and Hollywood and, and it was just, it was so gratifying. So I'm really pleased with that. What a wonderful segue from our dress up episode as well. Yeah, I thought about that a lot. And we talked so much about story and what story are you telling? And then I went right right into costume party. So it was it was perfect timing. I love hearing you talk about cooking as an art and a form of connection as well, because I really struggle with cooking. And I find that what most motivates me to put in the effort is to reframe it as an art and as a way of sharing with others. When I'm just fixated on the recipe, then it's not as fun for me. I was like the baby of my family. Even though I have a ton of younger brothers, I never lived with them. And so I got very spoiled as a kid and a teen to live with parents who are fantastic cooks and an older sister who is like even better than my parents are. Sorry, mom. Um, and uh, I never had to cook. I never mm. had to learn. I never. I didn't know how to fucking boil water. Like it was abysmal how little I learned because I was just so spoiled. And um, then I moved out and I learned slowly and begrudgingly to cook for myself and not well. But I was lucky enough to live with a boyfriend at one point who was a professional chef and he taught me so much. Um, You know, he taught me the the skills side of things, but it was also just an incredible experience to live with someone who expresses love through cooking and, you know, who got so much joy out of cooking for his friends and who was an artist about his cooking. Mm. So, So that really changed my relationship with cooking and my frankly my relationship with food um just in general and so I'm just like I'm really glad that that is something I absorbed from him and um and it's and and now I try to pass it on where I can teaching friends to cook if they're interested oh I'm interested next time well come on over yeah (laughs) I think food is fine example of an overlooked art form in terms of our art lives where everyone has to eat every day and so why not make it art and it can be really simple i think that this is like definitely a future episode because so much of what we talk about is grounding and getting getting back in touch with our our you know bodies and daily practices and the earth and nature and unfortunately people's relationships with food can be so messed up because we live in a time of like fast-paced living 
mm-hmm. and you know just grabbing something on the go and packaged processed food and that can disconnect us from the the spiritual connected um aspect of food and and sharing meals so i i really look forward to a future episode where we can dive in deep about um, how cooking and and eating is an art form I'm going to use that next time I'm tempted to stop in a supermarket and get a candy bar or something on the way home. It's like, I I feel like there are so many different, it's about understanding your motivation for things. And I'm not very motivated by like, oh, that's so many calories or that's unhealthy or not nutritious. But I am motivated by this will disconnect you from the present moment. It really will. Like, like even on your way home, grabbing a snack, like you can buy a bag of grapes and a wheel of cheese and, (laughs) uh, you know, a a crust of bread. I don't know. And go sit in the park for a moment. And it will basically take you the same amount of time to do that than wait in line at Starbucks and like Mm. grab a, a last minute egg sandwich or whatever it is Mm -hmm. but like you can grab ingredients or grab food that feels like a story it feels like art feels like it's a little more connected and a little more whole and you can go sit down and enjoy that and it's just little changes like that taking out a health or diet culture narrative completely Mm -hmm. zandra how is your art life My art life is home at last. Last time we recorded, I had just come home from my travels in the U.S. And this weekend we were in the Peak District. So now we're properly home. And I'm here for a little while now, which I'm really looking forward to just having normal life for a bit. And when I came back from the U.S., Steve surprised me by finishing building my podcast studio it looks beautiful. Thank you, Steve. And he he put in these uh, shelves on the wall as well, which um, which has doubled our shelf space in the flat. And so we used to just have our books crammed into this one little bookshelf that we found on the street, organized mostly by where the books would fit because all the shelves were different heights. But now I have all this spaciousness. And so last night with a little bit of time, I I started to organize my books and it was so freeing to feel like I could put them where I wanted to and not just where they needed to fit. And in particular, um, in my Everyday Wonderland program, one of the surprises is that once a month, one of our members gets to enter the secret library and choose a book to receive in the post. And it used to be that I have all these, these are books from my actual library that I've decided I, I don't need to reread again or I, I would like to pass on. And um, I used to have them in storage, basically, under in, in the under storage area in our bed. And it was always difficult to access. But now... I've decided to display them on the bottom shelf of my studio. So this studio corner is a sort of secret library in itself. And now those books have a happier home. They just, they seem happier there. I am so moved by, I'm so overwhelmed by this act of service that Steve gave you 
not just surprising you with building a home studio, a home sound booth, but adding in extra ideas and shelf space. I'm so moved by this. That is the loveliest story. Yeah. And it's, it, it also inspires me so much. It was like, what's a great gift for an artist? What's a great way to surprise mm. an artist? Build them a fucking studio. <laughs> you know, like like make their art life easier somehow. Give them a sacred space to create in. Build some shelves for them to put their books on. Like, oh my gosh, I'm getting faint just <laughs> thinking about this. Oh, he'll love that. And it, what's funny is that out of a desire to give me this gift this was part of his art life as well where he got really into home DIY and learning how to put up the shelves and painting our bathroom and um, that's a new art form that he's discovered. Home design and, and interior design is one of my favorite art forms so I'm really excited mm. to see how he continues to create in that medium. Yeah. Oh, he'll he'll laugh at that phrasing of it. I'm sure he'll get properly embarrassed because <laughs> he doesn't yet call himself an artist. Am I right? I, I'll have to ask him again because I feel like I, I talk to him a lot about this show. And so he's like he's in on the philosophy of it now. Um, a while ago... A while ago, we were talking about this show, and he said, I used, I think I, he was saying in his childhood, he did a lot of things that he didn't realize at the time counted as art. And I said, well, what do you think counts as art now? And without hesitation, he said, a human made it. Delicious. I love that definition. I love it too. And I love any definition of artist that is so expansive and inclusive like that is. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that that changed for him over time. Me too. So for today's episode, we had our first topic request from Mari. And I'm going to start by reading the email that she sent us. And then we'll go from there. She writes, Dear Zandra, I've heard you and Grace use the term activism repeatedly, and somehow the topic is on my mind a lot lately. I'm wondering if I already am an activist too, somehow, in my own little ways, and how to explore and express that more in the future. Do you think you could talk about this topic somewhere? I immediately thought it could fit well into the context of the art life. I would be grateful for your insights. Thank you, Mari. Thank you, Mari. Yes, we're so excited to receive this request. And it's a wonderful introduction to talking about activism, to talking about how art can change the world. And we have our resident activist here in Grace. So where should we start? I'm so excited that this is that this is a requested topic. Not just that I get to talk about this, but that mm. someone took the time to request it. And of course, this is a huge topic that is impossible to narrow down into one episode, but I'm just so glad for this jumping off point. So thank you again, Mari, for writing in. I think I want to start with this question she asks about, am I an activist? 
because we, and I believe it was our second episode, we had a whole episode dedicated to Am I an Artist? And I love that we've had listeners feel validated and cracked open and and really inspired by that episode because they they realized they were artists just as steve Mm -hmm. wink wink nudge nudge is realizing he is an artist too maybe um he is (laughs) um i think that we have an amazing opportunity here to to have a similar discussion about activism and activism really is is campaigning for um protesting against um taking action to change a a social justice issue or a political issue that you feel really passionately about that's all it is and that sounds huge maybe maybe you're hearing me that say this and you're going well i don't know what i can do or i have this topic i care about but i've done nothing to support it or maybe you're hearing it and going well well i don't know what my topic is. I don't know what my social justice issue is, or it all just feels like so much. And what's amazing is that if you listen to this show, if you consider yourself an artist, if you're interested in creating, then I think you are an activist because like they say in Rent, the opposite of war isn't peace, it's creation. And I think that all art, I have always said, all art is political. All art is is advocating for a point of view that maybe isn't represented enough or is showing an idea of a better world or is using fantasy to tell stories about good versus evil and resilience even in the fate the face of seemingly insurmountable odds all of that to me is activism And I think it's really interesting in the U.S. Since the election, I've seen so many artists grapple with the role of artist, the the career title artist, because so many people feel like being an artist is selfish now. Mm. I've seen so many people go, well, shouldn't I just go become a lawyer or go run for office because... Making art seems silly and selfish when there are bigger things to worry about. And I hear that and I'm like, you are doing such a disservice to not just yourself, but the thousands of years of art that has served as like a a really important part of activism, of of political change, of social justice awareness, of advocacy for underrepresented groups. Like, art is a huge part of activism. Artists are activists. And, And to me, that has always been true. And because I cannot say it better or even close to as well as Toni Morrison can, I excerpted a part of a Toni Morrison essay from a recent publication of hers that came out after her death. Um, She had a book of essays come out recently called The U.S. Title is the Source of Self-Regard. Zandra, I think that there's a, a different title in the U.K., is that correct? 
Yeah, I think this was a book that we chose to read from and... Uh, it turned out that we both already had the same book on reserve without realizing it was. So I believe this is Mouthful of Blood here in the UK. And I'm so curious about decisions like that. But uh, Me too. Yeah. Would you like to read? What the, what's the essay called? So the essay, I believe, is the first essay in the book, and it's called Peril. And in it, so much of what she talks about is why writers and artists are important during times of um, political unrest and mm-hmm. and in uh, in the face of tyranny and, and oppressive governments. So it's a bit of a long passage, but I'm going to read it because, I mean, I just, I want to go right to one of the greats of our time on this topic to open up this conversation that Mari has started. All right. So in the essay Peril, Toni Morrison says, I have been told that there are two human responses to the perception of chaos, naming and violence. When the chaos is simply the unknown, the naming can be accomplished effortlessly. A new species, star, formula, equation, prognosis. There is also a mapping, charting, or devising proper nouns for unnamed or stripped of names, geography, landscape, or population. When chaos resists, either by reforming itself or by rebelling against imposed order, violence is understood to be the most frequent response and the most rational when confronting the unknown, the catastrophic, the wild, wanton, or incorrigible. Rational responses may be censure, incarceration in holding camps, prisons, or death, singly or in war. There is, however, a third response to chaos, which I have not heard about, which is stillness. Such stillness can be passivity and dumbfoundedness. It can be paralytic fear, but it can also be art. Those writers plying their craft near to or far from the throne of raw power, of military power, of empire building and counting houses, writers who construct meaning in the face of chaos must be nurtured, protected. And it is right that such protection be initiated by other writers. It is imperative not only to save the besieged writers, but to save ourselves. The thought that leads me to contemplate with dread, the erasure of other voices, of unwritten novels, poems whispered or swallowed for fear of being overheard by the wrong people, outlawed languages flourishing underground, essayist questions challenging authority never being posed, unstaged plays, cancelled films, that thought is a nightmare as though a whole universe is being described in invisible ink. Certain kinds of trauma visited on peoples are so deep, so cruel, that unlike money, unlike vengeance, even unlike justice or rights or the goodwill of others, only writers can translate such trauma and turn sorrow into meaning, sharpening the moral imagination. A writer's life and work are not a gift to mankind. 
They are a necessity. And because this is the art life, not the writer's life, I would like to suggest that that this passage, this beautiful, gripping passage in her essay, does not just apply to, to writers. It applies to artists of all kind. Wow. Sandra, I don't know if you... Yeah, I don't know if you have read this essay before, but there you go. I There's haven't. a piece of it. Yeah. I'm I'm speechless. <laughs> like, well, she's she said it. I love that connection between art and clarity in in times of chaos. And it's it's really through through different media that we connect to the world and we we truly understand the world because there's scientific fact and there's um there's research and very important things that will make concrete change and then the stories we tell in whatever form is what connects it to human beings and where where we bring where we round up the crowd and say um Oh, I get, I get that too. And art of, often asks questions, which is why artists are so terrifying to governments, oppressive governments, tyrannical governments, right? Like artists ask questions. Or as I said earlier, like artists present a, a possibility of a better world. Artists give us hope and make us believe that there can be a light at the end of the tunnel or a reason to get up after you've gotten knocked down. Art is absolutely inherently activism to me, especially the art that comes during times of war, or the art that is created under like tyrannical regimes. That's some of the most impactful because it's made from a, a place of necessity. These words are inspiring me to return to what you were saying about activism as action. And it makes me want to ask, well, okay, what, what can I do? What can I do now? So I'm wondering, we're talking about art on a broad scale, as we always do on this show. And I'm wondering, Grace, if you have advice for somebody like Mari listening who who wants to be a part of this, how can an individual listening to this show do this? And I love this question. And I think that it doesn't just apply to this show or it doesn't just apply to artists. I think so many of us are living in this overly, this seemingly overly connected time where we're flooded by news constantly that is heartbreaking. And we're flooded by political arguments and and news that upsets us and we're thinking well what can i do what can i do i'm not doing enough and i think so many of the people who listen to this show are overachievers maybe or people who are really motivated but tend to take on too much so i'm really excited today to talk about you know just a couple things people can do with what they already have with creative skills they already have I do think that the word act is really important in the word activism, not because I'm an actor. I mean, <laughs> it's important to take action because yeah. I also think on the flip side of the overachiever, we do live in a time of social media where people can 
can use Twitter or Facebook or whatever it is to, to vent a little bit or to maybe um, repost a news story and then go, okay, I've checked the box. I have done my activism for the day or for the year. And I'm really interested in the kind of people who are who are taking their ideas and their activism into their art and into the streets and into their communities and and getting a little bit more um getting a little bit more active you know than just a social media post i think it's really important to reshare and and signal boost uh, people who who need their message spread but there's a lot more to do than just that while we're talking about social media that reminds me of conversations that we've had around that on our own show where we decided it's great if you want to tweet about us. It's great if you want to share uh, our episode on social media. And that really does help. And every review helps. Um, but I think what helps the most is really engaging with the ideas that we're talking about. And um, it's getting letters like the one we're talking about today that are, that are so thoughtful and I was just thinking about something my mom texted me where um, she saw somebody sketching the door of my parents' apartment. And so she struck up a conversation with this young artist and pointed them to our show. And I, I just uh, I laughed at that point of connection because that, I think, is, will go so much further than, uh, than a retweet into the space into the space of the void and so um i think that's the same thing when i think about just sharing a campaign it's like it's something but really engaging with the ideas and looking more closely and then retweeting in a sense that or re sharing that perspective of deeper understanding will then form a deeper connection just as like helping your neighbor is a lot more important than just sharing a tweet, in my opinion. Holding space for a friend who's just gone through like a serious trauma and listening to them and hearing their and hearing their story is the more important work to me than mm. liking their post. Which actually takes a lot of pressure off of me since I'm not on Twitter a lot. I'm not on social media a lot. And I feel like, oh, I need to be liking and sharing things. But actually, uh, there is better use of my time. There is. There is. I mean, I've talked on the show before about writing to incarcerated activists. And that's something that I'm passionate about. And it has been an opportunity for me to learn also about political movements or about um, bigger picture social justice issues, because I've I've started from uh, a small, manageable task. I've started from one web page that lists incarcerated activists and their stories. I've picked out those that are interesting to me or that have you know struck me or affected me just from a paragraph. And then I've done research on their story or gone to the website about their movement. And so that's been a really interesting thing. Like that's something people can do. Um, and it and it starts with like a really a manageable task. Um, and that organization that you were working with in particular was called. So the the web page I use that compiles um, a bunch of currently incarcerated activists in the U.S. and their stories 
it's um it's from the new york city anarchist black cross but there are many different ways to do this i was first introduced to this idea when i was volunteering at books through bars in philadelphia which is a wonderful advocacy group which i've also talked about on this show before um so there are many different ways to get that information i think the new york city anarchist black cross has a really wonderful and succinct uh, page where you have addresses and stories of different activists. Um, so I really love that one. But but I think what's really important here is like finding something, finding a topic you're passionate about and just finding a, a, a an action you can take and and writing a letter to someone who just needs human connection. Or maybe you can send a couple dollars to their commissary account. Like that for me is something I really love because because it's a way that I can help right now and help a person directly or or be, a, you know, a support system for a person directly. I think that's so important. And, you know, I, I love to think about artists or, or craftsmen who have different skills that they can use to help people. Like, even, even if you knit, like, you can knit winter wear for, like, people who are homeless like, there you go. There's something you can do. If you're a cook, we discussed cooking earlier. Like, you can cook meals for people who are homeless or, or go volunteer for a shelter. When I was back in Philly, there was a, an organization called Winter Shelter that would take in homeless people just for the winter when it was, like, too cold to be out on the street. And you could, like, go cook dinner for them for a night. And it's, like, a one-night commitment. I think everyone can find one night that they could commit to something like that. It's, it, it is protesting and it is campaigning, but it's a lot more than that. And I think especially for artists, there's so much you can do. I mean, even if, if you decide that your issue is like mental health, you can, and you're a painter, I'm just throwing ideas out at this point. Like you can paint a series that's really specifically about mental health. And that can have a huge impact. Even if you just share it on Instagram, you know, that might really affect someone. Mm -hmm. There's so many different ways that we can use our creative skills for our activism because they are inherently linked. And there are so many ways that we can just use moments of connection to be better activists as well. Grace, this is reminding me of when... We were at the Granger Leadership Academy a couple of years ago, and I was having a conversation with um, one of the attendees was asking me, and thankfully somebody who was more uh, eloquent on the subject, he asked us, what is the difference? Why do you have to call it activism? Why can't it be called volunteering? I think he was um, he was shy about the the word activism and thought that it sounded too harsh. And I'm reminded of that as we're talking about some activities that are volunteering. And there is a difference in how I'm hearing you talk about them versus how my high school required us to do a certain number of hours of volunteer work. 
And I'm curious about how you would answer that question of what is the difference between activism and volunteering? I think a lot of people do have a lot of fear around that word, maybe because they they associate it with activists getting arrested at protests and they don't they don't want to do that. They don't want to risk their their security that they have in their lives. Um they, you know, they associate that word with people who are really aggressive and outspoken and and um and maybe uh, I, or are hippies or something, you know, like they think, oh, I'm not that thing. I'm not an activist because that's a really different kind of person. Or those were the people when I was in college that I really didn't like. Whatever. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, Zandra, I have not had the privilege in my life to not to be an activist. I have not had the privilege to go, well, I just want to volunteer for people who are less fortunate than me. I grew up during the Occupy movement. I was sleeping on the camp, you know, sleeping at the camp because it was right in front of me. And um, I just, my life experience has not lended me with the opportunity to go, well, I'd rather just volunteer for some strangers and then go back home to the security of my home. Mm. I was confronted with from such a young age by I was confronted with friends who were homeless or um, wrongfully accused and incarcerated because they were uh, men of color and um, not given the same the same privileges that I was as a white woman, right? I was I was confronted throughout my whole life just growing up in the environment that I did with the insane injustice that exists in my community and in my country. And um, I just never had the opportunity to think, well, I don't want to be an activist because those aren't my people, because those always were, and this was always going to be my life's work, just by nature of kind of what I was exposed to from such a young age. I also think that, like, there are different ways to be an activist. And we've talked at Granger Leadership Academy or just between you and me about the fact that, like, for some people, protests are not their thing. And and for some people, like, maybe you can't go get arrested at a protest. And that's okay. Like, like I understand that that's not going to be for everyone. That sleeping on the street at a camp, like, is not going to be for everyone. And there, my, you know, I'm excited to just say there's still so much that you can do. There's so much you can do, even from the comfort of your own home. And there's so much you can do just by connecting to your neighbor and hearing their story. Like, I think that any any impulse to separate mm. is where we go wrong mm-hmm. and so any impulse to form a connection especially with a person who you think is other and who who might not understand for me that's where that's where healing lies and that's where activism lies any chance to change the world's into something better that's all that activism is and and there is you know i i do think that like volunteering is activism i think that there are other ways to do it i think that there are like some nonprofit organizations that do maintain the status quo 
And so I, I maybe don't want to be part of those. But I think that if the word activism wasn't so scary for people, and if it didn't have so many negative connotations, then a lot more work could be done. So I'm interested in building bridges, not mm-hmm. shutting people down because of their fear of one word. I love that answer and how, once again, we're circling back to connection. And I think I'm, what I'm thinking about as you defined that so beautifully is how activism includes or is a a desire to truly make change. And part of that can be volunteering. Um, and the difference, I think, between those two words is that volunteering can be something that is disconnecting in a way that retweeting can be disconnecting of saying, okay, I pressed my button and I'm out. Whereas what makes it activism, it sounds like, is is that you have this if you have this desire to keep going with it and to actually make something happen and almost like to make it personal like i think my issue with some of these um i i think the way that i don't relate to the word volunteering or the way that i don't relate to just like a simple retweet being enough is that that's not personal enough for me that's mm-hmm. just going like okay i checked this box and so i did my duty or oh oh i helped this person this you know let's let's say you like go feed the homeless it's like okay i helped this person who i feel very disconnected to and i think is very other and okay well i'm a good person now and i think that even just sitting down and maybe having a conversation with one of those people you are feeding and really being present for them and learning their story that's where the bridge goes that's where that's to me is the bridge mm. between um, it, volunteering and activism. Suddenly you're making it personal mm-hmm. and suddenly you actually really start to care about that person and the circumstances that made them homeless and the way that systems are built and stacked up and made their life really difficult and the way that the the cards were stacked against them. So that's all it really takes. I don't think it's insurmountable or so difficult to sit down and really hear someone who may be different from you and to realize that you actually maybe even have a lot of co- lot in common with that person and to realize that you could help them and suddenly you're an activist. Look at that. I want to emphasize as well that we're we're talking about how a retweet isn't enough, how feeding one homeless person isn't enough and how I'm remembering in 2016 how scared I was just to before the election even happened how scared I was just to retweet someone's tweet about voting because I had not I had not gone anywhere near that publicly and how it was a huge step forward for me personally to just do that and I knew that it wasn't the end I knew that there would be more to come but I want to acknowledge that um, there might be people who are at that stage where a retweet or just showing up is going to be a step and then 
it's one step that will get you towards that bridge, the activism bridge. And I also think it's really an amazing opportunity to examine that fear and mm. and why you're afraid and what systems have made you afraid of of speaking out and sharing your opinions. Like if people are terrified of sharing their political viewpoints or, or talking about voter rights or talking about the importance of voting, if they're afraid of that because, for example, they're afraid of that affecting their job or they're afraid mm-hmm. of not getting clients and therefore not having money and therefore not having a home and food um, because they they spoke up, like that's actually something to examine in itself. Mm. If you live in fear of speaking up because you're afraid of the 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 consequences of it, there might be something to question in the system that you are living in. This is so exciting because I have a way to relate this back to art where one of my fears in, well, it's still a fear of mine, I guess, is that if I speak up about something, I want to be able to hold a conversation about it. I want to be fully informed. And being informed is such an important part of my activism. And my favorite way to be informed is through art. It's, I, I learn best when I am connected to what I'm learning about. So I learn through the telling of people's stories. And I, I commit to exploring different kinds of art, to trying different kinds of art. And having that entryway will inspire me to do more background reading on a topic in a way that if I know that I'm supposed to be informed about a certain topic, I'm not really inspired to go and read about it unless I have that personal point of connection. And it's because of other artists, of other people who have told their stories, that I feel like I can read up on a certain topic without feeling like it's just theoretical. I remember in Washington, D.C., Steve and I were walking around the all the monuments, and I was trying to explain American history to him, just regurgitating like, all of the, the history that I knew from, um, from growing up, taking U.S. history classes, and I was trying to explain the civil rights movement to him, and he was sort of like, okay, And then we watched Hidden Figures, the movie, and he was like, oh, I get it now. And it's it's something as simple as that that uh, is an example of connecting to an issue through art. And I think that part of it, too, is that we all need to take the pressure off of ourselves to be experts on everything. Mm. You don't need to be an expert to care. Mm Mm-hmm. All you have to do is be curious. And I think that this is such a lovely story that you just told because you were able to 
to share what you knew and then drop your own ego and go, well, let's watch this movie then that can tell you more <laughs> than I can. Yeah. Because this movie was made, you know, based on a book by people who really lived through this experience. And I think a, a real part of my activism is like just diversifying my reading material and diversifying mm -hmm. what I watch because it's easy to only be inspired to like read and watch films and, and books and comics, whatever, music, listen to music by people who you already relate to. Mm -hmm. Stories that you already can put yourself in. I think it's really important to intentionally consume art that is a window and not a mirror. Yeah. And that's like the most important entry point, right? Is to just be curious. And then suddenly it's 10 years later and like you're doing the activism work, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's like, like just starting with the window is so important. And there's so much amazing art being created and there's, there's more opportunity than ever for artists to share be their work because of the internet and because of social media. There's, there's, um, there's more of an even playing field than ever before. So you can find those stories and find that art. And, um, and I think just starting with the intention of like, even like, oh, maybe you've heard a lot about something like When They See Us, which is, um, which is a show that Ava DuVernay produced and I believe directed on Netflix about the Central Park Five, which is like a real, a real news story, you know, that's a real story that was um, reenacted, essentially, into a four-part Netflix miniseries that was unbelievably amazing and heartbreaking. And I knew nothing about this story because it was before my time. It all happened before I was even born. And so... Just hearing about it and, and watching it suddenly educated me on something I had never heard about and then got me even more interested in learning about, like, the prison industrial complex in the U.S. Like, and that all just started because a lot of people were talking about a show. And I think for people listening who don't know where to start or, or just want something to leave with today, like, just setting that intention to diversify their reading list or their watch list is an amazing and important place to start. Just setting an intention to have more windows instead of just mirrors. Like if you're, let's, I'll use myself as an example, let's say, you know, you're a, a white woman who mostly has straight relationships. So, okay, I'm going to start watching more movies that aren't about white people falling in love you know like I'm, I'm just gonna let's just start there <laughs> let's just start by consuming art that isn't just about me and for me mm. like that's a really important thing to do and that's something we can all do better at and you'll find suddenly that some of your favorite artists are not just people who look like you you will i guarantee fall in love with some of those stories and some of those pieces of art and you will be a better person because of it. So, what is the art life?
The art life is activism. What is the art life? The art life is the activist's life, too. This has been amazing. What a wonderful introduction. And we'll, we'll continue the conversation from here. But I, um, I was saying before we recorded that this episode is like you in our fun episode of this is uh, activist is not something that's part of my bio and my job description like it is for you, Grace. And it's something that I care about, but I'm still understanding. And so I, I feel more confident in, in what that word means and what, what I have to do. I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm so excited and grateful that we got to do this episode and that I'm sure there's more to come. I'm so fired up right now. That hour just flew by. Um, And I'm just really glad that we have this show and look forward to hearing back from people, uh, hearing their thoughts and and hopefully maybe an action that they took. Um, I I hope people realize not just the importance of art as activism, but also um, I hope people leave this episode feeling like, oh, I can do that. I can Mm learn about some new topic that I haven't learned about. I really hope to hear those stories. We always invite our audience to respond, to continue the conversation like you're here with us, as we wish you could be. And maybe one day we'll do a live show. Maybe uh, one day. Maybe. <laughs> it sounds like we're hinting towards something, but we're, we're really not. We're just we're, um, we're just dreaming big. Um, but especially for this episode, I'm so curious to hear how this lands with everyone listening, um, what you've learned and what you and what you do with it. So send us a letter, send us an email. Um, all of our contact information is in the description for this episode and at the end of this episode as well. Sandra. I know that we'll be hearing more from you over time about how this episode has landed or or how the word activist has influenced you over the past couple years. But in the meantime, where can people find your art? You can read my essays on heroinetraining.com and you can also receive them in your inbox for free. I It's important for me that my writing is out there for everyone to access. And um, my writing is an, a live chronicling of things that I am learning, things that I have embodied. And so it's important for me that they're available for as many people to read. Um, and if you wish to support my writing, which is available for free, you can do so at patreon.com slash heroin training. And I share some insights on the writing process each week. So if you're um, if you're creating as well and might find that interesting, that's available for $1 and up. I share the process behind how I continue to how I continue to shape my ideas and and share what I'm writing. So that's me. Grace. You've shared so much with us today about activism, and you do more of that in other spaces. And where 
might those spaces be? Where is your art? I want to just point out that I'm so excited that you mentioned this word access because Mm. like so much of my personal writing or my like like more more intimate work gets put on Patreon, which does have a you know a a, a financial barrier, right? Even a dollar a month, it's like I'm like you know you got to invest something to get the secret password into the clubhouse. And I am really excited that you pointed out this idea of accessing free information because one of the reasons I love podcasts so much. Hmm. is that they're free on you know if, if, if it's on itunes or spotify or whatever they're free and almost anyone can ha- start one mm-hmm. like it's a very low cost way to share ideas with the whole world whereas something like filmmaking can be a lot more expensive can be a lot more expensive um and and so many other forms of art have had so many gatekeepers podcasting is like this amazing medium in the past decade that has allowed people whose voices have not been heard to share their voices because there's such a low cost to start one record you know you can edit yourself market yourself and just put it up on itunes so um, anyway, you can find me on the Art Life podcast, which is what you're listening to. Um, and and yes, I have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Grace Gordon official. I, and I, I post things here and there on Twitter and Instagram. But, um, but this show and Patreon are where most of my work goes. And, um, and I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, that we just got to mention that like podcasts are activism too. Yay. And Grace, I want to thank you because I did not plan this part of, well, don't really plan much of the show in terms of what I'm going to say. Um, and especially at the the end, I like to be spontaneous with what to tie in my work to the topic that we've talked about. And I was inspired to talk about the decisions that I make with running my business because I am very intentional about those decisions in terms of advocating the arts and setting an example for um, for other for ways of of sharing art. And I, I want to be explicit about that and share that um, I publish in this way because that's something that I believe. So you inspired me to share that detail. And I'm so glad you did. Well, To everyone listening, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to hearing from you about this episode. So from my side of the world, good morning. And from my side of the world, good night. And please, please, please let us know what you think, what you want us to say more of, and what you're doing in your daily life to create art or or help change the world we just want to hear from you and have you engage with the show that way we'd love that this is the art life a heroin training podcast with grace gordon and me zandra robinson burns 
You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607, or email us, theartlife at heroinetraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.